I'm Kayla Southwick, and I was asked to write a letter to my eighth grade self, so this is what I would have said. I said, Dear eighth grade Kayla, you are now doing a lot of things that you never would have guessed you would do. You're almost done with Fire Academy and doing cadet activities with Kalamazoo Department of Public Safety, all while finishing up high school, too. You're setting your future self up for success while pursuing your younger self's dreams of becoming a police officer. Even though firefighting was new to you a year and a half ago, you're loving it more than anything now, and it's the best job in the world. Uh, you are still doing the horse shows and spending time with the horses you've been blessed to care for and own. However, with all of these wonderful and exciting new things you're doing comes a great deal of stress. You will feel like you can't perform your best some days and feel like maybe you aren't strong enough to handle all of the weight that is put upon your shoulders. But you have to remember that God put you in the place you are at right now to prepare you for all the sights you will see and actions you will perform. <laughs> and there is one more thing that you'll have a big issue with, and that is time. Time is one of your toughest enemies but you will begin to put all of your time and effort into what you love, but forget to leave some time to listen to God and hear what he's trying to whisper into your life because everything else is so loud. You have to take time to sit down, read the Bible, and grow closer to the Lord. You will think that once you finish one thing, you won't be so busy, and you'll have more time, but in reality, you will always be busy. Once your senior year starts. Uh, you will fill your free time with you will fill your free time, so remember to take some time for God. The most difficult lesson you will learn is how to not be so stubborn and just follow God's plan for your life. I know you think you have it all figured out as a 14-year-old, but believe me, that will change. You have to trust God and his timing, even though you will struggle with time management. But be excited for your future, because I know you are. You will make so many new friends in these next four years, and they will help shape your life to how it is now. But be careful, because there will be some people who will try and pull you away from your faith, too. Enjoy the good people God has blessed you with. You will also face so many trials in these next four years that, would have, that you would never expected. But mom and dad will both be there to guide you in the right direction even if they don't know exactly what to say in those difficult moments. They only want to see you be happy and thrive, so be sure to trust God even in the hard times and don't become numb to things you will deal with. Becoming numb was advice that was given to you by someone you looked up to, but don't do that. Do not become numb to anything because that is not who God created you to be. Everything you will do will all build you into the Christian girl you are now. God has never left you and he never will. Just continue doing what you love and make more time for God in the future because you will need him. Well, that is the second time that we've had one of our grads write a letter to their eighth grade self. That's the second time I felt like we could leave. Wisdom has already been shared. Kayla, that was awesome. 
We're proud of each and every one of you. Obviously, we are happy to be celebrating with you guys uh, this morning, but that was, we appreciate what you put into that. Yeah, indeed. I, as a parent, I appreciate it especially. Just be present. It was really reassuring to know I don't need to know everything and if I'm just there for my kids. So parents, I hope you heard that and take some encouragement from that. <clears throat> well, indeed, we're going to share a passage together today that is helpful for our grads, but it will apply to our whole church family. Those of you uh, watching at home and after the fact, I think the Word of God is infinitely applicable and relatable, and we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3 this morning if you want to turn there. Uh, we're continuing our series called Wisdom Works as we work our way through different passages in Proverbs. We see Solomon talking to his son in the beginning of this, beginning of this book saying there's two ways you can live your life. There's a way of wisdom that you can live your life following this way and it will lead you to health and life and there's a way of folly. You can walk down the way of folly and it will lead you to death and illness. Switch to a handheld, John. There are two ways that you can live your life. Solomon is telling his son, it's a way to wisdom. The way of wisdom leads to life and health, and the way of folly leads to death and illness. I think this is applicable for our grads as they head off on their new journey. But as I said at the beginning, it'll be applicable to all of us. So we'll be in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. But before we get started, I have to note that this is perfect godly wisdom given to an imperfect man being shared with you by an imperfect man. And in fact, this doesn't just start with Solomon. If you want to turn with me to 1 Chronicles 28, or I can read it for you. 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9, David is talking to his son Solomon at the end of his reign. And he's saying, Solomon, I've done all of these things. And if you know who Solomon's mom is, you know that David's life was pretty imperfect. So Solomon knows this better than anyone. But David says, I've done all these things. This is what my life has been like. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do so you can build a temple, a house for God for our people so we can worship. And I want you to hear the words of verse 9 here as I read them because it will probably remind you of uh, the passage we're going to spend the bulk of our time in today. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now. For the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. I appreciate the emphasis on how God needs to be followed, sought after with our whole heart, and how he searches our minds, he knows our minds. You're going to see that theme in this passage this morning. Before we get into the passage, let's pray. Father, just pray that you eliminate distractions and that, most importantly, the passage is clear to our church family, that you speak for me and through me, and that what they remember is the truth of, of your word, that if we follow you, you will bless us, you, that this passage could be true in our lives as Solomon knew it would be true in his sons. Thank you for your word and for getting it to us over the years. 
allowing us to understand it, giving your Holy Spirit to us so that we can repent and turn and follow you. Make this path clear to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was getting to think about Grad Sunday and kicking off summer, and all summer's going to hold for us, vacations, uh, graduation parties, maybe summer projects, I was thinking back to a really one of my favorite summer vacations growing up. Growing up, every summer we'd go up to Munising in the Pictured Rocks area, and we'd go to a place called Miner's Beach. That's this picture on the screen behind me. And we, depending on the, the year, we'd spend a couple minutes or a couple hours swimming in Lake Superior, jumping in the waves, playing. If you've been there, you know what I mean. Sometimes a couple minutes does it. <clears throat> and one of the things that we really grew to enjoy was down at the end of the beach, the west end of the beach, there's this little rocky point that goes out into Lake Superior. As we got bolder and older and slightly less wise, we'd climb out on these rocks out to kind of at the bottom of the picture there's a rock that stands a couple feet above the water and we jump off of that into the lake it felt pretty exciting well and I was old enough to try it but not old enough to succeed I found myself climbing on the side of that sandstone uh, wall and I froze I got to a point where I couldn't see how to get from here to my buddies and my brothers that were on the rock I couldn't see how to get back to the beach and to where Miners Creek empties into Lake Superior and I froze and I couldn't see, for, for everything that I could see, I couldn't see anything else other than the fact that I was going to probably end up with a lot of skin knees and fall into Lake Superior. And the story stands out to me, and I don't know if it was as noticeable to my parents or to my dad and my brothers, but I remember some gentleman climbing up next to me on the side of that rock and telling me, hey, here's where you put your foot. Here's where you put your hand. Scooch over this way. Come on down. You can get down. It'll be all right. I remember, in spite of everything I saw, everything that was extremely real to me in that very moment of, I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything, that there came a point where I had to decide, am I going to trust that he can see something I can't see? Am I going to trust him that he's telling me where to put my foot, tell me where to put my hand, and I had to give up on what I felt and thought for a minute and trust him and follow what he told me to do? And he led me down off of that, that wall. I don't know who he was, and I never talked to him again, but I remember the relief of when I saw what he said was true when I did it, and the relief that I had when I got down off of that wall. And that picture is very real to me. As we go into uh, Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon is calling his son to trust in the Lord. So we're going to read that together and reflect for a few minutes as we uh, conclude our time together. So he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust here is a word we use a ton but the meaning of this word is you lay everything out. Lay it all out. Lay yourself down in front of the Lord with all of your heart. See, Solomon knew this because he had a lot of stuff, a lot of wives, a lot of wealth. So he had a lot of things that could distract him from God. But his, his, core, his core charge to his son in this passage is you have to trust the Lord. But it's got to be with all of your heart. He says, and do not lean on your own understanding. Again, you're probably familiar with this passage, but I think of not leaning on your own understanding as after you're, you're tired and you rest on like a, a shovel handle or a fence post or lean up against a wall, he's saying don't allow those things to support you. The way you see and think and understand the world around you isn't the whole picture. See, I think if you're like me, I'll admit it, and hopefully you would too, you try to sometimes supplement your life with God and his word. You have this part that's Brendan's, or whatever your name is, and you have this part that's God's. He's a supplement to your understanding and to the way you see the world. And what Solomon is saying is, Solomon is saying is 
That's not how it works. He can't sufficiently supplement your understanding any more than you can supplement his. You can't help God understand the universe he spoke into existence at all. And he can't just live in this little corner of your life. So Solomon's saying, give your whole self, your whole understanding to God. In all your ways, acknowledge him. This morning we're celebrating some grads who are heading off on a path. Solomon's going to bring up way and path in this passage. And he's telling him, in everything you do, you have to acknowledge him. Gives us a good question that we'll ask later on about what way are we in and is this something we could put his name on. Continuing, he says, and he will make straight your paths. See, the implication here is you know, because you've lived life, church, that your path doesn't start out straight. A straight path is nice because you can see where you're at, you can see where you're headed, and you can see the goal at the end, where you're aiming. But life isn't like that automatically or by default. It winds and it curves as you get distracted. Maybe I'll go over here, and you turn back. As somebody calls your name and you wander off the path over this way, I appreciate Kayla's line about people giving them advice, that her advice that she, she trusted and is not true. This, this advice we get leads us off this path. And Salma says, if you trust God, if you fully lay it all down for him, even those diversions that seem like they're a good idea at the time, he will clear that up. He'll make your path straight. So as we try to apply, what would we do out of this? If we wanted to summarize this passage in some brief phrases, I'd say, number one, this point is true because it's out of the Bible. Solomon literally says, trust God with your whole heart. But the reminder here of, of it can't just be a trust in God as a supplement for your understanding that it's got to be everything is what's hard for me, and I'm sure it's probably hard for you. It's got to be everything. So trust God with your whole heart. Give him all of that. Lay that all down for him. Be not wise in your own eyes. It's a good passage for a morning where we celebrate their achievements and learning. Everything that you've learned over the last several years and, and more if you've just finished college makes you think you know a lot, and you do. You have worked hard, but as you know, church family, parents, grandparents that are gathered here, sometimes what we see isn't everything. We just finished a series in, in the book of John where we saw disciples be deceived by what they saw. They got part of the information. Remember Mary Magdalene standing at the empty tomb saying, there's the grave clothes. His body's not there. He must have, his body must have been stolen. Her own eyes deceived her that morning. So we know that everything we can see isn't all that there is. Much like when I was clinging to the side of that sandstone, that gentleman could see a way out that I couldn't see. And I had to trust that what he saw was true. Psalm is saying the same is true here for you, son. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. When you think about fear, I want you guys to be thinking about reverent awe. And I think about God the creator who spoke all of creation into existence and at the same time cares about what's going on in your day. He hung planets out in space and says, I care about how, you, how you're feeling about your mom and dad, how your relationships are going, what you're asking for. He cares about that. That gives me reverent awe. A God who's supremely holy, the very definition of the word, yet tolerates people like me. Let's me breathe. Air that he created. Because he loves me so much. So he's so holy, yet loves us as sinners so much. Psalmist says the core of this is fearing God, having a reverent awe for him. And that works its way out, or it shows itself 
in your life by how you turn away from evil. Those diversions, again, some of those are innocent, understandable. Somebody you trust calls you off the path. But sometimes it's because our hearts are deceitfully wicked and we just step right over the line. This will be good. This is what I want. Psalmist says, no, it's the exact opposite, actually. You see those diversions coming and you turn away from them. That We use the word repent for that a lot. You turn away from evil and head back down that path. So this, this you can fill in the blank here. I chose over your own desires. But it might not be desires. It might be your own ideas, your own dreams. But Psalmist is saying, son, you have to trust God over, before, instead of, Wipe off those desires that might lead you astray and give him your whole heart. Give him your understanding. I want to think about this for a minute because if I was just to, to say how I think this works maybe in your life because I know this is how it works in mine, sometimes feelings is where we start getting it wrong. As I was thinking about this passage, I thought about how quickly I allow my feelings to just be master. Well, I feel this, so this must be true. I'm hearing this about myself, so this must be true of who I am. This must define me. And I would just encourage you for a minute, students and, and family, if you could stop those feelings for a minute, maybe challenge them this way, kind of personify them and say, okay, ask some questions. Say, is this good to me? Does this sound good to me? You know, that, that diversion off the path. Does this sound good to me? Or does this sound good for me? Earlier, Solomon said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. So if you're on a way, ask yourself, can I acknowledge God in the way that I'm headed right now? That's hard. Would he partner with me in this? Would he walk alongside me? If he was physically holding my hand walking, would he veer off the path in the direction I'm going? So I just encourage you, you don't have to accept those feelings immediately. You can pause them and ask questions and not allow them to automatically be mastered because those feelings will inform your decisions. They matter, they're real, but they will inform your decisions. Much like my feelings on that rock side that summer afternoon froze me in place until somebody came to help me out. And ultimately, it might get worse than that. It might be you have to trust him over the evil that you may desire. You might have to follow him over something that looks really, really good to you. But Solomon's counsel is it would not be good for you. Now here's where the good news is. Up until this point, you might be saying, okay, I have not lived my life that way. I've not done that. I've wandered. If, if you mapped out my course in my life, it looks like a wandering river. And I say the, the Bible is full of people who've lived that way, many of whom receive good news, and includes good news for people like you and I that do that. Solomon says, if you do this, if you have this life, a life that follows God's word, at the beginning of this chapter, he says, remember these commandments. Do these things. At the beginning of this passage, he says, trust the Lord. He says, a life that does this will bring healing to your flesh. Think about that for a minute, that, that following God's way of wisdom that he's outlined in Proverbs could actually have physical as well as spiritual and emotional benefit. Now, I know this is true because it's in God's word, but I asked a couple of you this week. I said, hey, do you think this is true in your life? I asked a couple people whose uh, faith journey I admire, and I know I've gone through hard things. Have you seen this in your life? And they both said yes. They said that when I 
when I go through something very difficult, and I mean really, really difficult, when I go through something difficult and I cling to Psalms and I read God's word, I feel better. I see, I see this course that is starting to get muddled by the things we're going through. We see this is true in their life. So Solomon makes this promise. So my challenge to you is if you sat here thinking, this is not how I lived my life. I've wandered any place I could wander. This is a promise to you as much as it was to Solomon's son. That if you do this, starting today, because it is daily, tomorrow I'm not going to, by default, going to want to do this. I'm going to need to actively choose to do this. If you do this today, this will also be true for you. And refreshment to your bones. Again, I'll say, I know if you have lived any life, chances are you could deal with some healing and some refreshment. And if not, that time is coming. So remember this passage and, and others like it. When you go through these circumstances, remember that God offers healing and refreshment. This re word refreshment is like a, a medicine you can drink that heals your whole body down to your core, your bones. You can live without a lot of parts, but it's hard to live without bones. Down to your core. So Solomon's saying, it's, it's, when you live this life, it's like an icy cold glass of water in a mason jar on a hot summer day. You take a sip of that, and you can feel it just go down and, and chill and refresh your whole body and energize you for the work ahead. Solomon says, this, this is available to you, son. Remember this. So either turn from what you're doing to this or remember it for when you need it. So as I said at the beginning, there's two ways that Solomon returns to in Proverbs. He says there's this way of wisdom that will give you life, and there's this way of folly. The fools travel into death and disease. And in this passage, he promises if you give your trust to the Lord, if you say, God, what you're saying for me is truer than what I might see and feel in my own eyes, and you take that step, you put your foot where he says to put your foot, put your hand where he says to put your hand, that he will bring healing to you and life. I think it's hard to sum up the whole book of Proverbs in one sentence, but if you were going to try to do that, if you were going to try to take it away with you and think on it when there's challenges or maybe when you start wandering a little bit, Solomon's telling his son, trust God with your whole heart over your own desires or dreams or passions or ideas or feelings. This could go on and on, right? And you'll receive healing in life. And to close, I think that the most beautiful picture of this, almost in an ironic way, is that Christ in the garden, with the worst thing possible, proved this true. And you might say, no, I know what happened to Jesus. Well, I'm, I'm glad you do. But he proved this true because when he trusted God and said, your will, not mine, if there's any other way to, to accomplish this salvation, other than the death that he knew he was facing, but he said, no, your will, not mine. He laid himself down, literally laid himself down on the cross. And if you know what the gospel means, you know that that means you and I get healing in life. What he bought for us, John says, was so that we can know this, and by believing, we would have eternal life. So if you don't know that, and, and this kind of trust is foreign to you, understand that it accomplished something pretty powerful for all of us. You could accept that too this, this morning. We'd love to know that, that maybe you've been wandering and now you see to make your course clear and to make that path straight, just accept the gospel, the fact that Christ himself demonstrated this level of trust. And if you know the gospel, you know that 
Not only are we healed and we're given life, but Christ was raised back to life so that we don't even have to fear death. As we travel life and face life and death decisions, that we don't have to fear physical death because of what he did. So that's my encouragement to you students and graduates as well as church family that in spite of how difficult it is to overcome our feelings and our emotions and, and stop for a minute and trust God that, that you do that. And Solomon says it will give you healing because I know you and I love you and students, we love you very much. We know you're going to encounter moments in your life where you will need healing. And it's our prayer for you that you turn to God's word and trust that this is the source of life. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for these students and uh, graduates now, Father, and we have to trust you with them as you shepherd them into the next stage of their life. Uh, just protect them. Be close to them. Help your word to stay in their hearts so that they can see life the way you want it to be lived. Thank you for this church family and the people that make up this body. I just pray that you use this time to encourage them and to make your name known. In Jesus' name, amen.